0: Hey, it's NPR's Book of the Day. I'm Andrew Limbaugh. For all you parents out there who are involved in your kid's school or school district, hitting up all the meetings and planning committees and all that, tell me, is it as horrible as it seems? Because it seems pretty gnarly, you know, dealing with other parents in these heated battles over school policy that can be proxy battles for, you know, race, class, sex, all the isms that ail us. That's the setting of Naima Koster's acclaimed novel, What's Mine is Yours, which is out now in paperback. Koster spoke with former NPR host Audie Cornish when the book first came out, and they got to talking about one character, a white woman who opposes bussing black kids into the predominantly white school. And it leads into this interesting discussion of what it means to care about your characters.
1: Even if... On this week's Wild Card, we talk with Issa Rae about those moments where our lives could have gone another direction.
0: Definitely wasn't supposed to be with that guy at all.
1: At all. But I still think about it. I'm Rachel Martin. Issa Rae tells us how to make peace with the path not taken. That's on the Wild Card podcast from NPR, the game where cards control the conversation. From your car radio to your smart speaker. NPR meets you where you are in a lot of different ways. Now we're in your pocket. Download the NPR app today.
0: If you don't like them that much. At the center of Naima Coster's new novel, it's called What's Mine and Yours, are two
1: determined and difficult mothers, equal and opposite forces. There's Jade... A woman who is trying to figure out how to pursue her own ambitions while also taking care of a child on her own, and Lazy May, a woman who is struggling financially and trying to secure a future for her girls that she wasn't able to secure for herself, and their paths cross at a high school auditorium
0: in North Carolina. In fact, at a community meeting about a new integration program, one that will bring students from the largely black east side of town to the largely white high school on the west side. Jade from that east side is fighting to get her son G into the school. Lacey May and her daughters live on the west side and she's spearheading a campaign to keep the new students out. The two family stories
1: wind together over decades, each of them fighting to overcome shattering loss. I think that that results in a kind of toughness that's meant to be a survival strategy for children when both families are dealing with grief that feels so large that it could swallow them up. Naima Koster told me she wanted to explore what happens when you put a lid on that grief, the ways it can still shape your life like it does for Jade's son, G. G, as, as we've mentioned, has a loss early in his life, and it's something that he's gathered that he's not supposed to speak about. And I was thinking about the way that people of color are expected to be exceptional in largely white spaces. So exceptional not only in terms of the task at hand, like being good at school or standing out in the workplace, but also being exceptional in terms of having a biography or family story that feels neat or virtuous. And G doesn't fit that description. He's got a family history that he believes is wrong. And so that gives him a lot of feelings of self-doubt, of guilt that he has to find ways of working through.
0: He uh, is one of the kids in a school play. It's a Shakespeare play, Measure for Measure. And he plays the character of Claudio, who's a prisoner through most of the play. And you write that he's fit for the part because the key is, quote, quietly transmitting endurance and fear, which is a combination of words that I surprised me and then felt very familiar. <laughs> like you said, that is virtuous instead of something that actually comes from trauma.
1: Yeah, like sort of being able to persist through difficult circumstance with some kind of composure or poise without thinking about like, well, what's the underside of that? And where did those feelings go? How do they show up? How do they play out in relationships?
0: The other pair of characters that is important to this book are are their parents, their mothers specifically, the mother of one of the girls, Lacey May. This is a portrait of a woman who becomes that person who, you know, stands up at some school council meeting or school committee meeting, really rages against the idea of integration-style policies. And this is an interesting person, I think, to work backwards from, right, to try and figure out how does this person get to that point?
1: Mm Mm-hmm. I think Lacey May is certainly a kind of figure that I've encountered in my life. And she's a woman who feels that she has thwarted potential and that she perhaps could have accomplished more in life, but she was consumed with the business of survival, with being a wife and a mother. And so she opposes the integration in part because she wants to hoard the opportunity and keep it for her girls. I'll also say that lacey may holds racist ideas it's not that she stumbles her way into a racist position do you like this character that's a great question um i'll say that i i understand her and i will also say that i have tenderness for parts of her she's a a lonely and alienated character And I I feel for her in those respects. Would I want Lacey May as my in-law or my friend um, or on the PTA with me? Absolutely not. And I think that this is one of the things that fiction can do, right? It can give us a a window into the battles that each person is waging or facing, but it doesn't mean that we condone her actions or are even interested in redeeming her.
0: I should say we're talking about this in slightly academic terms, because I don't want to give away too much, but it's also just beautiful writing and made me feel for all these characters almost immediately, which is painful because they're going through a lot of trauma. Um, (laughs) They're really sad. And I was like, when will anyone be happy in this book? (laughs) How do you live with characters like that?
1: I don't think I have a lot of distance when I'm working on it. I feel very immersed. And I'm not interested in making things easier for my characters, which might sound harsh to say, but I think that that's partially because life can be really hard and brutal. And I'm interested in fiction that testifies to that reality. But I do think about the moments of tenderness and relief that they get, um, which don't cancel out all of the hardship. That's
0: a nice thing to hear in this moment (laughs) after the last 12 months.
1: I don't know how, how you spent them. Had you been doing work on this book still at the end of last year? Mm-hmm. I was working on this book at the beginning of the pandemic. I was also taking care of my daughter, who at the time was under a year old, and we lost childcare. It was really hard and exhausting and lonely and full of fear. I hear that. One of the characters in the book is talking about
0: having a new baby. Yes, And someone asked her how it is the first thing out of her mouth is, it's terrible. Yeah. Um, I think you and I, our child is probably the same age. I also had a baby at the start of the pandemic. And she also ends that phrase by saying, and, and this child is perfect.
1: Yes, and that line is actually one that I put in after having the baby because i, oh, really? I, I, I yeah <laughs> I drafted the book when I was pregnant, and so you know that scene was just the character glowing and happy and effortlessly breastfeeding in the corner and then, after actually having had a child and going through the postpartum period, I said, "I have to revise this," <laughs> and is that when we, you added the bags under her eyes? I yeah. noticed that as well, and I was like, "There are too
0: many truths in this chapter. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and I didn't realize I'd been idealizing the experience, but in revision as a new mom, I could see that I had.
0: Did you have a temptation to dip further into the pandemic, writing-wise?
1: Well, I'll I'll be straight with you. Originally, the book was supposed to end much later in August of 2020. So I had to do some reworking of the chronology and timeline of the book and change the weather um, just to sort of avoid thinking about the pandemic, because I didn't have the space to do that. Also, your characters needed a break. Yeah. Like, if someone yeah. in this book got COVID on top of all that. Yeah, they need a little joy and rest before gearing up for for COVID. Naima Coster, her new novel is
0: What's Mine and Yours. Thank you for talking about it with us.
1: Thank you for having me.